0: Well, welcome to our second season of Knowledge Cast. if you're a regular listener we're glad to have you back and if you're a first-time listener we hope that you enjoy today's podcast and we'll come back next week we have a great list of guests this spring and you can read about them by going to jackwwilliams.com and scrolling down to the podcast section well today it's a special treat to have a someone that i had the privilege of working with over 20 years ago Amy Stewart. Amy is the founding partner of the Stewart Law Group in Dallas, Texas. They're the only African-American female owner law firm in that area. And she's been named a a super lawyer in Texas for five years running, also been recognized as a member of the best lawyers in America. Uh, Amy is a, a graduate of Wake Forest and was captain of her basketball team and also coached at the collegiate level at Wake Forest and Tulane. She's involved in numerous community organizations and is on the board of uh, Educational First Step, the board of Girls Inc. And was just recently uh, asked to serve on the board of the Dallas Holocaust and Human Rights Museum. Amy has authored numerous legal uh, legal articles and is in high demand as a speaker at law conferences. Well Amy, it's been too long since you and I have talked and I have been so looking forward to spending a few minutes with you today
1: absolutely i i'm trying not to grin too hard um i'm so excited to see you especially after everything we've gone through over the last two years you look good look you healthy too. you too
0: well listen I, I have to admit i'm sorry i got to put you on the spot right off the bat i've looked through all your bios and they're lengthy and i just can't find any reference to your stellar career there at the startup company called competitive resources group where we first met how did how did you leave something as big as that out of that resume
1: I tell you what as soon as um I noticed that when you brought it up and 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 man we we have been ribbing each other for years uh, it may not be in the bio but it's definitely in my DNA I talk about competitive resources group and the opportunity that you gave me when I did not deserve an opportunity and and the lessons that I learned from you to to actually run my firm, and I talk about you specifically to the mentors that I have now, so I can promise you that when you look at this website on Monday, it will be different.
0: <laughs> well, it was—I uh, tell you—it was one of the highlights of my time. I'll, I'll assure you. Uh, well, listen—you know, when you hit hit the floor as a lawyer, um, your feet hit the floor. I guess I should say you haven't slowed down. What what motivated you other than trying to get away from me? What motivated you to get <laughs> into the legal profession?
1: You know, it was, um, and, and you, we have spent um, so many years, and and, we, and when I worked for Competitive Resources Group, we, we drove everywhere, so I, we spent hours in the car getting to know each other, so I can throw out names like Tightrope, um, and you know exactly I'm talking about growing up in High Point, North Carolina. Look, where I grew up, I had tight ropes. I didn't have any lawyers in my neighborhood. And so <laughs> um I played basketball and basketball got me out of there. And, and then I had to figure out what was next. And and you helped me with that. And um through the confidence that I that grew from working with you, um I was able to look at something like what's next in my life and, and had the confidence to say, hey, I'm going to go to law school. And I think I went to law school when I was like 26 or 27. So I was a little bit older than the rest of the folks in the class.
0: Well, you were you know, very successful uh, as a collegiate basketball player and coach. And as I've kind of gone through your website and read more material about what you're trying to do there, it seems like you're trying to instill that kind of that athletic background and training and competitive spirit into your law firm. How has your team responded to trying to develop that type of a culture?
1: You know, it's um, there's something about former student athletes that when you meet them, they just already know kind of, again, what's in your DNA and the type of experiences that you've had. And so I just try to share that with folks at my law firm about, you know, being on time, uh, work ethic, teamwork, all of these concepts that companies and people want to talk about, but we really try to drill it home here at Stewart Law Group, and it, I think it's a differentiating factor for our law firm. Um, it clearly is in regard to our marketing because we're not just this boring, you know, buttoned-up law firm. But we we talk about being aggressive in a um, competitive way, but not in an ugly way. You know, we learned that from playing sports where we would have to fight, fight, fight. But at the end of the game, it didn't matter what sports you did. What did you do? You had to walk across and shake the hand of the person on the other side. And that's kind of the type of culture I'm trying to build here at Stewart Law Group. And frankly, it's been uh, an approach that our clients really like.
0: Well, it, it's you've done a great job messaging it, messaging it, and it really uh, is apparent on your site. And obviously, some of the reviews that you've gotten from some of your clients reflect that type of uh, attitude and, and expectation. You know, when you started building your firm, hiring people is probably the toughest part of any job for someone who's starting their own business. I don't care what the field is, and but besides uh, law expertise. What were you looking for when you were building your team?
1: Uh, People with grit, people with a strong work ethic. Um, You know, again, from sports, you you know, everyone that's a lawyer and has graduated um, from law school and gotten their uh, JD are successful type A people. Just like when the first time you step on, on the court when you're a freshman, everybody's a star. What differentiates people is work ethic, grit, and ability to work with others. And so I ask a lot of questions that try to drill down on that. Uh, frankly, I, I find a lot of people don't understand how tough it is and how much of a time commitment there is to being a successful lawyer. And I, as much as you can in an interview, I try to figure that stuff out.
0: You know, we had a guest on uh, this season, uh, John Vaughn, that wrote several um, journals on accountability and it's called accountability changes everything it just asks you one question a day to answer and you know the accountability from an athletic perspective from a business perspective is you know unfortunately accountability is beginning to flee in our, our country um, everybody wants to blame somebody else rather than be personal personally uh, accountable and and uh, I think you've obviously been able to find that gene pool also in your your team to produce the results that you've uh, been able to produce. Well, you know, one of the things that you uh, specialize in uh, and spend a lot of time in is is dealing with conflict resolution from a legal perspective. What have you learned uh, from that experience that you feel would be appropriate for just conflict resolution in general among people. We also got a little bit of that going on. Uh, We got it in society, we got it in marriages, we got it in businesses. What what have you learned through your work that you could pass on to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I, I see a lot in everything that someone picks a team and that's their team no matter what. And so again, going with our sports analogies, the same foul could happen to the other side the one time you watch it, it's a foul. The next time you watch it, ah, uh, breath was wrong, right? Right. right? And so I really try to approach disputes because you know I'm representing the best interest of my client. Um, and And when I go into it, my goal is to figure out what does the other side want? And I have to approach them in a way that allows them to feel comfortable with sharing with me what the ultimate goal is for them. So that one we can figure out, do we have some common ground here, or do we not? And so then we need to kind of start working through that. I think people are just so inflamed right now. I think the pandemic has made it worse, politics has made it worse. You know, I feel like we're in a world that there's some big things that we need to talk about, but we but people put the politics tag on it, which we all grew up to talk not talk about what politics religion and something else so if if there's an issue say oh that's political then you know no one's supposed to talk about it and that just stops us from actually trying to get things resolved and, and make this place a better better situation for all of us
0: well you know we there's no question about that we, we've got to be better listeners and um, that's hard listening is a hard trait to develop and it is one that you have to develop but we tend to tune people out as soon as we hear something that we disagree with Uh, And then we get you know, we get no further. Well, I'm sure that uh, you've had a lot of people uh, pour into your life, mentor you, demonstrate their belief in you. And, you know, who are some of the people that have crossed your path that have uh, that you've benefited from their counsel and their experience?
1: Well, one would be you. Um, and I, I just remember hearing about what you were creating with competitive resources group. And it it spoke to me because I was one of those student athletes that, again, I used basketball to get me out of a tough situation and landed me at Wake Forest. But then after sports, I had no idea what was next. And you filled that void. And I just remember when I learned about competitive resources group and then I met you. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, you just need to hire me. <laughs> like, I just.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't have an option.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've, never been to in a, I've never been in an interview where uh, I got taken over. I had to <laughs> hire you. I had to hire you to get you out of the office.
1: <laughs> and and so I can't tell you um, how how much value I, I have found as being my own business owner now. Just from the experiences that we had with kind of creating, you know, what our culture was and what we standed for and what our brand was, um, my SLG brand comes directly from Competitive Resources Group and what we what we built together. And so I appreciate how much you've done for me and 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 you know I was rough around the edges. I'm smooth now, Jack, but not not I, too. Hey, I know you're smooth. I'm <laughs> lying. Uh, but but you and and I have been fortunate along the way to have many mentors that have kind of uh, picked me up and said because I kept moving from firm to firm, which happens with a lot of women and minority lawyers. They just can't find where they fit within the organization and a lot of us leave the profession. but I felt like well, maybe if I create my own thing, then I can, I can fully step into who I'm supposed to be as a person and a lawyer, and I can create those opportunities for other people, which is what SLG is all about at its core. And so you you know that in between um, CRG and going to my law uh, practice, I was doing pharmaceutical sales and there was a doctor that I met, Dr. Franklin in Cape Girardeau. Missouri, and I was looking for another job. And he said, Why are you doing this? And I said, Well, I live in Missouri and I'm in love with this man, and there ain't nothing else to do here. And he <laughs> said, You need to go to medical school or law school. And without you giving me an opportunity that ultimately led me to uh, Dr. Franklin, uh, I would have never, that would have never crossed my mind because I didn't have the confidence then to even think of myself as a lawyer. And then from there, you know, going into the practice and there's been various people been in the last three years, there's been, um, a gentleman, Mike Bassett, he owns the Bassett law firm. And he reminds me a lot of you. We go to early morning breakfast, just like you and I used to do. And he, he knows it food speaks to me. (laughs) So he's always like, let's go get something to eat. He doesn't take me to buffets like you. So other than that, um, and hey, he we, we went, had, we
0: had some great $4 buffets. What are you talking about?
1: We had some great buffets and yes, in in every stop between Atlanta and Ole Miss and everywhere else we went, you could find a darn buffet. Um, but Mike Bassett has been great for me as well in this next chapter of my life, helping me build a law firm and I couldn't do it without any of y'all.
0: Well, uh, thank you for the, the, uh, promo there. That was not uh, meant to be a promo, but I I appreciate that. Um, You know, one of the things that really impressed me and didn't surprise me at all, uh, but I think it's great. uh, You spent a lot of time in your firm, spends a lot of time working and mentoring female veterans. How did you get involved in that and how does that process work?
1: So, it was the spring before starting the law firm, and I was at UT, and they had this women lawyers event, and the president of the ABA at that moment, this would have been 2016, or maybe 2017, 2017, and she was talking about when female veterans come home, they are the least likely to tell people that they're veterans, and they're more, more likely to have issues with family violence, uh, bankruptcy, uh, all types of, all the isms that we don't want, female veterans have more of them. And so that really spoke to me when I heard her say that. And then when I started thinking about starting the firm, I wanted the firm to be a, a responsible corporate citizen. Again, something I learned from you. And So I immediately began to connect with women veterans groups and learning more about them in the Dallas Fort Worth area and set up like within four months of having the firm. What I wanted to do was connect these female veterans who you literally have to turn over a rock to find them because they don't tell you that they're female veterans. Male veterans walk around and literally are like, I'm a veteran women's veterans they shy away from it a lot like women female women athletes do where what we do you don't think help what do you
0: think that what do you think that's the problem i asked
1: me? i asked them and they said um, a lot of their experiences aren't the same uh, that they are you know discriminated against or you know treated less than and it's not an experience that they're really proud of and then you know there's nowhere for them to go like when you go to the va hospitals you ever, when you, anytime you've seen a video or a picture of the VA hospital, have you ever seen a woman in there? No, I
0: haven't come to think of it. I have not.
1: They don't feel comfortable there. And so they just want to put that behind them and and move forward with their life. You know, when you think about them coming home and and they may, and especially if they have children at home, they come back. They have normally been the breadwinner you serving us overseas, and then they come back. And then that dynamic with the spouse or the boyfriend is, is very, or partner is very different because who am I? And remember, they go over there when they're 18 and 19 years old and they come back with literally no business skills. No one's waiting to help them like they can see it's happening with their male counterparts. And so we had this vision board event where I took professional women in Dallas that I knew in my circle, and then I had them, and we met at this center, and we created vision boards, and when they created their vision boards, and then all of a sudden, they started coming up and wanting to share what their vision boards were, and it was amazing, and then we had a a sitting judge want to share her story, and it was just a great way of of trying to build a connection between women in Dallas that are, you know, professional and these these amazing women that have these skills, they just don't know how to connect with society and businesses to share those.
0: I, I think that's a wonderful thing. I, I get so appalled at how we treat veterans as a whole, and you just educated me on uh, the female uh, veteran, which I. It makes sense now that I hear you explain it, but I would not have thought about that. Well,
1: I have another thing, though, um, another go back to competitive resources group. So, you know, what we used to do is go to campus and help the student athletes revise their resumes so that companies would want to hire them. I used that exact skill set with them. So I started helping them revise their resumes. And there's this one young woman that I saw her resume and they use a bunch of acronyms And they don't even know like what they did in the service and how that translates to the real world. At the end of the day, (laughs) she was in the Air Force. And one of the things that she did was she was the last point of contact on Air Force Two for Vice President Cheney. But the way she wrote it, you would think that she was a flight attendant. (laughs) And so as we went through and I really drilled down like we did with student right. athletes, it was like you created their resume and just like with us, they would roll their shoulders back and they were proud of what they did because they could see that the world actually wants to hire them for those skills that they bring.
0: Yeah, you made them aware of what they had to bring to the table. Yeah. Sure.
2: I think mm-hmm. that, is,
0: that, that is exactly what we did. Um, well, let me switch gears for just a second. Yeah. Um, you know, your husband, Ed, was an All-American football player. At Nebraska, you were a star basketball player. Now your daughter is making a name for herself in sports. With all the demands of time, you know, in your law firm, and, and Ed being an executive with Big 12 Conference, how has it been being the parents of a rising sports star?
1: It's a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's challenging because, you know, starting a law firm in Ava's 17, now and ed you know ed has his big job i mean it's a lot in regard to just regular keeping up with her schedule she does rowing or crew and she absolutely loves it uh it got a lot better when she became 17 and could drive herself to these 5 a.m practices on the (laughs) lake it got a whole lot easier um but it's been great now she's in the recruiting process it's it's great. She did um, amazing on her SAT. She got a fourteen hundred, um, and so it, it's a good time. But it's it's trying to guide her with opportunities that I, I, neither Ed or I had uh, growing up, and it's it, it's been a challenge because you know when you if you get a fourteen hundred and and you do you go to the best school you can get into, and. Right but she's looking at crew as well. And so it's trying to guide her. And and like, we were having a conversation last night about it. And Ed said, well, it's not like she can go play professional crew. And I was like, but the experience of her being on a crew team will change her life. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, so you just don't, so anyway, just the dynamic of trying to balance for a female athlete that, She's great academically, uh, gifted athletically. Where is she going to end up? It's just kind of, it's it's, uh, it's a good thing. It's a blessing. That's what I'm going to call it right now, even though it feels uh, frustrating.
0: My, my son is a close friend with a gentleman who wrote a book, Pure Athlete. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to try to get him on our uh, podcast and talking about, you know, trying to raise children. That are athletes that want to be that have great ability he had two great uh, sons that played tennis, uh, really outstanding tennis players, and what it was like, you know, trying to guide and direct them to be a pure athlete and not get caught up in all the negatives uh, associated with what can happen both for the for the uh, child and the parents. Uh, Well, you know, in in Ed's role as your husband uh, being the Executive Associate Commissioner for football for the Big 12 Conference, uh, he's had an extremely challenging year with all the changing landscape that's been going on in collegiate sports. I got to ask, you know, has it been difficult not to kind of jump in and put your super lawyer hat on (laughs) and say, let me me help you. Let me offer you some advice into this situation.
1: Well, Remember going back to the Dr. Uh, Franklin question to me: Why don't you go to medical school or law school? And I chose law school. See, Ed has been literally like a mini Dr. Fauci uh, over <laughs> the last two and a half years. I, you know, in being able to watch him lead, you know, from our dining room table, you know, the entire Big 12 conference. You know, he was there trying to figure out how they could safely return to the field. And he was getting all of the information about COVID-19 in March, April, May of of 2020 that none of us were really getting while they were trying to figure out how do these 10 teams go back to campus to 10 different campuses that have 10 different sets of rules in different states related to the safety of their student athletes, coaching and staff. and then how do they get on the field for that first game? And I just – I'm so proud of watching him work their way through it because, as you can imagine, I mean, and you know, it, we've forgotten how bad it was in 2020 um, when, when, it, when it first came out. And it, I mean, it went from not going to have a game, not going to have a season, going to have a season, back and forth conferences were, you know, making statements that the season was over – while the Big 12 said, no, we're gonna keep going. And so I've just been really proud of watching him in action, Um, and which would have only been, only was available for me to do because he was just literally across the room and I'm just watching him go through it.
0: Give him a heads up. I'm gonna try to get him this summer uh, to do an episode with us to air for next fall to kind of walk through from the inside uh, view what it was all like. You gave us kind of a 30,000
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, foot look at it. And uh, I know he didn't want to go through that again. Well, Amy, our time's about up here. And and listen, I cannot express how great it's been to have you with us today and, and just reconnecting. And I'm so happy for all that you've been able to accomplish and all you are continuing to do and, and both growing your firm and the impact that you're having uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area through your charitable work. So thanks so much for for being with us.
1: I appreciate any time I get to spend with you when you're not driving.
0: <laughs> uh, well, folks, that's another story. Uh, well, that, that wraps up another. Uh, no, I'm going to finish that story. It was it was a bad decision on my part. I and, yeah, we there there was a there were two options and I couldn't decide which one, so I went right down the middle. And and yeah, there was a there was a divider there, concrete divider that we had to dodge there at the last minute, but it was it was a good experience. Uh, I grew as a decision maker through that. <laughs> well, uh, this wraps up a, another session of Knowledge cast, and I hope that uh, you'll be back with us next week as we talk with another great guest like Amy, and uh, until then, uh, remember, make it your goal this week to be a positive influence in the lives of others.
2: Hey, before you go, we wanted to let you know about Jack's book called The Question, a guide to answering life's most important question. In this book, Jack shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide his life. Whether you are a spouse, parent, grandparent, friend, leader, educator, coach, or mentor, Jat's I Believe Statement applies to all the roles he has played during his lifetime and can do the same for you. Jat's message applies to all people, ages, and careers. It's an easy read with compelling stories, enjoyable humor, and sincere transparency. The question is now available in ebook and paperback, exclusively on Amazon. Go to jackwwilliams.com/thequestion to learn more and buy your copy today. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode, and join us next week for an all-new episode of KnowledgeCast by Ideals.